What's up, everybody? How you doing? How you living? Austin Cunningham and Justin Trees coming to you here um, directly after a Super Bowl win by yours truly's Kansas City Chiefs. What a game. What an atmosphere. What a moment. First time in 50 years the Kansas City Chiefs are sitting atop the NFL as the best team in the league, holding one Lombardi Trophy. Andy Reid finally gets his first one. Patrick Mahomes, unbelievable game. Didn't start off too hot. Didn't finish the way you wanted him to. That defense stepped up when you needed him most. What a game. What a moment. Oh, my gosh. It was fantastic. But, Reed, or Trees here, excuse me, how was your weekend? It was great. Uh, I was looking forward to uh, this game just for you uh, all, all weekend more than anything and i'm happy it turned out the way it did for you man like i i was very happy at the end of the game and i just said to myself i'm so happy for austin i'm literally not going to text him until tomorrow like he's just got to have this time these few hours just to celebrate live in the moment like we didn't talk until the next day at like noon yeah i just woken up that was my recovery (laughs) wake up when you texted me um man i was it was a hell of a night. I went hard Saturday night. We went to um, a huge tailgate party in Fort Lauderdale. Um, I probably went a little harder than I should have the day before the Super Bowl because the day of, I felt like trash. It was hard to get out of bed. My head hurt. My body hurt. It's like I had been in a fight with the street, and the street kicked my ass. It was tough. But, man, by the time the game came around, I was ready to go. During the game, it was fantastic. After the game, once the Chiefs win, I mean, just unbelievable moment. Darrell Rivas is sitting in the front right next to us. We have a shot with him. Then we pop bottles of champagne, and then we ran into the ocean. That was awesome. $600 bottle of champagne. I'm just holding it in my hand with my arms out, my back to the ocean behind me, and I'm just looking at the skyline of Miami going, this just truly happened. This just truly happened. The Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl. It was nuts. It was incredible, man. I mean, it was you're down 20 to 10 with about seven minutes left. Third and fucking 15. Patrick Mahomes does an 11 step drop back and slings that song, bitch. Who's on the receiving end of it? Number 10, Tyree Kill, the cheetah. Comes down with it, doesn't go down easy, gets like another extra two or three yards after the catch. You love to see it. Then after that, it was just kind of like, okay, we got to score. They do that. They go get a stop on defense. That defense, after hearing or after seeing Tyron Matthew yelling, visibly frustrated on the sideline with how the defense is playing, they didn't give up another score after that. I think they only gave up like another three or four first downs too. But they were solid. When you needed them at the end of the game, they stepped up huge. Frank Clark closed out the game with nearly two sacks. He got one there at the end, which ended it for sure. But he almost had another one that was the incomplete pass. Should have I, in my eyes, as a Chiefs bias fan, it was like that's a fucking fumble. But you do see the arm coming forward. I think the momentum of it coming forward was the hand of Frank Clark, which was directly after the Chiefs scored, and then the 49ers got the ball back. He eventually throws the interception the next play. But it's just the way they stepped up at the end of the game to close it out was incredible. The way Patrick Mahomes handled the pressure, he did not start the game off good. Finally kind of got a groove going. That offense is able to march down the field, have a couple things go against them, some bad passes. But when you needed Patrick Mahomes to step up and make a play, he did that. And that was the beauty of it. Some people question, why did Damian Williams win MVP? Or why didn't Damian Williams win MVP? Why was it Patrick Mahomes? Because when Patrick Mahomes rushed the ball, it was in key moments of the game that got them a first down when they needed it most. That's why. Damian Williams, yes, he had a big run, couple receiving touchdown and a rushing touchdown. But Patrick Mahomes also lost a lot of rushing yards there at the end with the way he was taking knees. Uh, he lost the uh, a lot of people lost the under for the or for the lost the over for the total yardage of Mahomes because of those knees that he was taking. So if you were betting on that, sorry to hear it. You know, hate to see it, but you love to see that Lombardi being held up at the end. Just an incredible moment, man. An incredible game. Loved every second of it. Congrats to Andy Reid, the entire Kansas City Chiefs. And tomorrow, we're about to have the biggest party ever here downtown Kansas City for this parade. I cannot wait. 
I mean, that's a great breakdown right there. I mean, you're, you're kind of throwing off our little rundown here. That was supposed to be a little <laughs> bit later, but hey, let's just let's just dive into it right now. Um, yeah, I, I mean, obviously everything you said is accurate and factual. Um, I actually kind of didn't think that Patrick Mahomes deserved the MVP. Um, but I also didn't think that Damian Williams deserved the MVP because I think it was just that rushing touchdown at the end that made people think that when in reality, he could have just fallen down and the game would have been over. Um, so like to me, like, I'm not going to put that in here. Honestly, my, my player, my MVP was Chris Jones. He dominated. Really? He dominated this game. Like, he doesn't put up the... And I get it. Like, the MVP is all about stats. So I get it. So Mahomes is fair. Like, I have no problem with Mahomes winning it. But I thought Chris Jones changed this game consistently. Even on their scoring drives, like, he would hurt them on a play or two. But just the creativity of Shanahan, like, got them... First downs when he put them in tough second or third down situations. And I felt like it was all Chris Jones. Like any time that they did not double team him, he won every single time. So um, that's going to be it. I mean, I know they're going to have enough money. They'll make it happen. But like that's that's got to be something Chiefs fans have to worry about is him leaving. Like if you're paying Mahomes, whatever it's going to be, 40 Forty-five million dollars at this point. Like, yes, he, he is. He can do whatever. He can ask for whatever he wants, and they literally have to pay him, right? Um, but like at some point, there's going to be good players that have to walk. Like that's just the reality of it. And you hope that it's not Chris Jones. I don't think it is. Like the way he's talking, it kind of sounds like he'll be good. But you do not want to lose him on that defense. He he made them what they were. Like. It was him that freed up Frank Clark most of the time because like, he started getting double teamed at the end of the game and leaving one-on-one with uh, Frank Clark. Like That's why he was get- – Frank Clark's very good. I'm not saying he's not. I'm just saying he started getting the pressure when it became one-on-ones. Absolutely. So, I think another defensive player that had a big game that not a lot of people are even talking about, Derek Naughty. He started that game off strong, really popping off camera. It was, it was awesome. I actually got to do uh, radio with Tommy – uh, you met him down in Mobile. I'm not sure if you remember. A friend of Jared. Uh, he does radio in San Francisco for a pretty big radio station, and he asked me to call in. So I called in Saturday right before that big party that I went to, um, and I hopped on, and I just kind of ran through the Chiefs' defense, and I said, Derek Naughty's a guy that not a lot of people are talking about. Colin Saunders is another one, the rookie out of Western Illinois. Damien Wilson, the linebacker, he had a couple big plays. Daniel Sorensen showed up again. I mean, the guys that you just kind of – overlook for the Chiefs defense that aren't necessarily the big names make a lot of big plays. Shavarius Ward, phenomenal game as well. Didn't really didn't really let anything up over the top. <coughs> Excuse me. I mean, he just he did his part. A lot of guys coming in. Tino Passino had a good game as well. But you make a great point about Chris Jones. They they cannot afford to lose him. If you if you tag Chris Jones and you sign Patrick Mahomes and then you find a way to restructure Sammy Watkins' deal, you have your core set of players set for this team. You just got to kind of reload along the offensive line. I think they go there early in the draft. I think they go interior offensive line. I think that's where they're going to go straight up, just to be honest with you guys. But, man, this team, they have a very good opportunity to repeat. And this isn't just me being biased, but they're not really losing anybody this offseason, and that's huge for this team going forward. It's this right here. Welcome to the new normal Chiefs Kingdom because this is it. This is fucking it. Uh, I'll go the opposite of saying there's no way Sammy restructures his contract. I think he wants to. Like, I think he wants to win another Super Bowl. I think he says he wants to because he because that's the case until that conversation starts happening and he's like oh wait i'm not gonna get this money and i just had a big super bowl and i just led this team like in playoff i think he did he lead the the team in receiving receivers receivers not because i know kelsey i think had the most but like receivers yards in playoffs right um like he he has a whole bunch of leverage when it comes to free agency if like if they end up not wanting to pay him the 14 million i believe it is this year um and they have to release him he's got a whole bunch of leverage in free agency for other teams to sign him yes i get it like if you want to win a super bowl you're staying in kansas city and you're taking a 
huge pay cut. I don't know how much it's going to be, right? But like you'd assume from 14 down to maybe nine ish, eight to nine per year. Well, you add another year on that, and you that I mean that that's kind of the restructure, right? Yeah, right. Or you say no, and then you walk, and you're getting probably 10 million a year with somebody else. Again, how important is another Super Bowl to you? Like that's yeah. kind of the argument, right? But I just feel like we've seen this before with uh, with other players. They've won one, and now it's like, ah, let me get one more big payday in here. Like it just it just happens. Um, obviously, would be huge for the Chiefs. Uh, you're right; they're not going anywhere. Um, we just know repeating is tough. Like it is. Like no matter how good you are. We said, I mean, remember the Seahawks, man. Like we thought they were going to be around for years and years. They went to back to back, won one, lost one, and never the same, right? Um, so it is the new norm for the Chiefs, though, right? Like elite, minimum AFC championship game is the new norm. So uh, awesome for the Kansas City fans for sure. Um, how? I mean, it's not how long it's going to be the rest of his career, but man, Jimmy G missing that third down. Um, when he, dude, Sanders had them beat by two yards. Like how you, how you miss that pass. Like that is going to define Jimmy G's career forever. Like forever that, that pass. Yeah, it was, uh, it was tough seeing him throw it. And then when the, the camera kind of panned down the field and you see him already ran past the safety in the corner you're thinking, fuck, like, of course this is how it happens. Yeah. Like, that was my initial thought. I was like, fuck, please no. And then it's like overthrown by six yards. Yeah. And I just went nuts. I was like, let's go. They stopped him on third down. That's fourth. And then they get the sack. Oh, man, glorious yeah. moment. Hey, I don't give a shit what Jimmy G's career is known as. Because, I mean, that's, that's for them to worry about. That's tough for Kyle Shanahan. It almost seemed like he just didn't trust Jimmy G with some of his play calling. Uh, it looked like he missed George Kittle on on an easy third down there that he threw to the running back that was eventually blown up. And then later in the game, he does go to Jimmy or he does go to uh, Kittle and Chris Jones bats the ball down, and then people are like, "Well, why didn't you dump it off?" So he's just kind of in a tough position. I mean, that's what happens when you lose. Like any mistakes going to be over overblown and more dramatic. It's just. It's what happens. That's part it of is. it. But it's I mean, fine. Way to overcome it. They're a good team. They and are. Right? Exactly. And the same thing, right? Jimmy G hits that pass. They score. Say they win. Everybody's going to be criticizing Mahomes for two picks, right? Yeah. Like, even though one of them was not his fault at all. But like, that's not going to be the like that wouldn't be the storyline, right? So like, it is what it is. Um, it's. I found it very ironic that they were down by ten. Uh, because what was one of my big things when we were talking about the preview? 10-point leads aren't safe. Why? Because 55% of the times Mahomes comes back and wins. So, yes, sir. Uh, I mean, I said it. I said you can't You can't have 10-point lead. You have to have bigger. So, um, like, the Mahomes and Reed were so aggressive going forward on fourth down early in the game. I and, loved it. So they initially – they initially had the field goal unit out there. They just didn't show it on camera because it happened during a commercial break. They had the field goal unit out there, and then they took them off and put the offense back on. And that's when people were like, oh, shit, they're going for it. And they scored. Yeah. So <laughs> it was an awesome game. Um, very sad the season's over, but, like, the game lived up to the hype for me. Um, it was a lot of fun. Um, you're obviously going to say it because your team won, right? But, like, as a fan of football that does not have any, you know, I don't care. Like, I cared just because of you, right? But, like, I didn't really, honestly, like, I didn't have a dog in the fight, obviously. Um, I thought it was an awesome Super Bowl. Is it because last year was such a dud? Who knows, right? Like, I can't, I don't know if I can say that. But, like, it was very entertaining. It was exciting. Like, it felt like there was no real dead points at the game. I mean, like even at the end of the first half, the whole like George Kittle push off thing was like that was like an interesting topic and interesting like thing to like go back and watch and be like, okay, in my opinion, I'm like, I see why. I see why they called it. You haven't called that all year, ticky tack thing, in my opinion, but 
by the definition, I know you're you're going to disagree. It's fine. Like you, like you're going to have this your your opinion on the thing because it's your team. But me just talking, like you're you haven't called it that much this year. It's weird to call it now. But by the definition of it, it is pass interference. The so my opinion on the pass interference. It's not just being like a Chiefs fan with it. It's because he already had his arm extended. And then you see him like bend it and then re-extend. So you see the initial gen like what would you call it? Like you see him generating force to get the separation. And then he clearly comes down with the ball and where he's a lot more open than what he was when Kittle or when Sorensen was covering him. So that's kind of where I was like, yeah, that's pass interference. And if you look at the Vikings game as comparison. The corner was being just as physical the entire route, and that is also a fade route in the back of the end zone. Like, those are physical plays. Like, those type of situations are, hey, you're going to be physical in this moment. We know it, and it's going to be really one of those, like, do you make the call or not? And majority of the time, you don't make that call. When it's like that down the fucking field, and it's you and a safety – and all of a sudden the safety is just like almost nearly stopped dead in his tracks and you die for the ball and catch it, yeah, probably pass interference. I mean, I could have said the same thing if Kelsey would have done it. But Kelsey doesn't do that because he's the best tight end in the NFL. Yeah. I, I'm, I mean, I'm not going to get baited into this conversation right now. So I get what you're trying to do here, and I'm just not going to do it. Uh, okay. That's fine. So... Um, <laughs> Uh, I fucking hate you. Um, what else was there? I'm just trying to think of like what other key moments in this game were just. Um, you you brought it up. One of the Chris Jones batted down passes was huge because they got Kittle on Terrell Suggs. That was a huge mismatch. Like so, Chris Jones getting that bat down was just ginormous. Um, there, and yeah, overall, man, though it was an awesome game. Loved every second of it. Very disappointed for the next six months of no football. Uh, obviously, we got off season's very fun in the NFL. Luckily, lucky for us. Uh, <laughs> but, but like not watching games on Sunday is going to be hard. Mainly because I know I have to do chores now. Yeah, now my my weekends are just a little bit more free, so I guess I'm just going to be bored quite a bit more. I'm sure I'll figure something to occupy my time though. But man. The draft coming up, free agency coming up, things are about to get nuts. Before we get into all of that, though, let's go ahead and get into the who's who. Who are you talking about? Still haven't figured out a name for it, but Therese doesn't have one today. I do. Let's see if he can figure it out. It's going to be a tough one. Uh, I did a shit ton of research on it. I'm just, I'm really excited to see if he knows the answer. Um, Okay, are you ready? Yep. Okay, so um, he's a kid, just drafted three years ago. He's had his first year in the league. Since his time in the NFL as a full-time starter, he's thrown for 50 touchdowns. He's won league MVP. He won a Super Bowl. He's the youngest player to win a Super Bowl and the youngest to win Super Bowl MVP. Can you guess who I'm talking about? Oh man, who could it be? I I'm I'm speechless. I have no idea. Oh, oh wait, it's Patrick Mahomes. But Patrick Mahomes. Who's you forgot. Say, you, say a louder for the people in the back, please. You forgot. Wait, wait. Actually, did did he play baseball before? Yeah, his dad was actually a, a major league pitcher. Oh shit. Okay, now I know it's Patrick Mahomes. I yeah. didn't know it was before that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, kind of, kind of tough. To figure that out, uh, I don't know what part really sold it. Maybe like Super Bowl, Super Bowl champion as a second year as a full starter, Super Bowl MVP. I mean, just those kind of hints think I really just gave it away. Man, greatest quarterback in the NFL right now, though. The best court. Let me not the grade. The best quarterback in the NFL right now, though. Patrick fucking Mahomes. You're not gonna win the argument if you try to tell me anyone else. I'm just gonna tell you to shut up. Look at the scoreboard. Look at what he's done. Two years as a starter. Sat out two games this year due to a dislocated kneecap. Still comes back and leads his team to the AFC Championship game from a 24-0 to deficit in the first round of the playoffs. 
and they come back and win by scoring 28 points in the second quarter. Then you're down 10-0 against the Titans. Come back and beat them. And then the Super Bowl, you're down 20-10 to after throwing two interceptions. Down third and 15. And you come back and win the fucking game. Best quarterback in the NFL. That's who That's who we're talking about today, guys. That was it. Good guess, Tracy. Proud of you. Thank you. I, I'm glad you did all that research. Like that, That's a lot of work for you. Yeah, that's watching a lot of football, you know, just every Sunday, every time he's on TV, um, I'm sitting there, ass on the couch, eyes plastered to this television set. I'm there. Uh, people are going to think this is just a Chiefs podcast now. <laughs> nah, it is today, boys. It is today. Boys and girls, excuse me. It is not a Chiefs me. podcast, though. Just a lot to be excited about right now. If yours truly being a part of Chiefs Kingdom. Can't wait to celebrate in the parade tomorrow. It's going to be freezing cold and snowing. Don't give a fuck. Going to be out there bright and early. Can't feel my toes, but I can see the Lombardi. And baby, we're partying. How much snow are you guys getting right now? None. Oh, okay. Like, we had this crazy snowstorm the other day. Um, Just in the valley, we got, like, 16 inches. And that's, like, not in the mountains. (laughs) Um, and then you got 16 inches of snow. Yeah. Yeah. And we're supposed to get another like six tomorrow and then another like eight to 10 on Thursday. It's going to get, it's crazy. It's a crazy week. So how do you drive in that? <laughs> Very carefully. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for you to be like, you don't <laughs> No, Like it's, yeah. I mean, people are just like, yeah, just get to work, leave earlier. <laughs> Like, that's kind of like how it is here. But anyways, you just brought up snow, so I was just curious on how much you guys had in uh, Kansas City. <laughs> Damn 16 fucking inches. Holy <sighs> man, we wouldn't know what to do. <laughs> oh, All shit. of our power would probably go out. We had a fair amount of power outages, <laughs> that's for sure. <clears throat> All <laughs> right. All these power lines. Let's just fucking hang them across the sky. Yeah. What about bad weather? They'll be all right. They're on wooden poles. Yeah. You got it, pal. Let's build the whole fucking world this way. It works most of the time. Yeah. Sorry. Just a little sidetrack. Just a little pet peeve. Yeah. Just the way some shit was set up and everyone's like, let's just do the same thing because it works. Anywho, around the NFL, we already did a Super Bowl recap. Let's go ahead and get around the laces with the Jaguar schedule. Come out today. Two home games are going to be in London. Truce, I mean, what are your thoughts here? If you're a potential season ticket holder, I mean, I'm sure you have plenty to say. I'm just going to shut up. What are your thoughts on this? Just, I, in my opinion, idiotic decision by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, it is. Uh, I'm pretty fed up with it. Uh, if I was ever going to switch a team, like this is the type of shit that causes you to switch teams and why you don't have fans. Like they're talking about like, Oh, we're bed- barely treading water on making money. I'm like, shut the fuck up. You guys make plenty of money. You're just not making as much money as teams like the Patriots, the Chiefs, the Cowboys. Why? Because you don't care about winning. Like, it's weird. Like, you may not make as much money as these teams that are winning. Weird concept. I know. Like, it's it's strange. Like, maybe you should, like, treat your players well. You should have a better front office. You should be able to, like, get actual good football players on your team, good coaches on your team. You win ball games. All of a sudden, your revenue goes up. Your fans all show up. It's weird. Like you can't, you can't get mad that like the Jags still have plenty of fans that show up to those games. Like percentage wise, plenty, way more than a lot of teams. Um, and you're upset that they don't. But yet, in the last eight years, your winning percentage is like twenty eight percent. Yeah, like, why would you keep spending money and doing this type of shit with this piss-poor of a product on the field? So now, Shad Khan comes out today, says, we're doing two games in London, and we're going to just have the team stay there for basically a week and a half to two weeks um, and just do back-to-back games in London. This is stupid, How? and he says that the fans should be excited. Why would fans be excited they get to go to one less game uh, that makes no sense, but they're like, oh, but we're going to drop ticket prices 15% and preseason games are going to be 50% off. 
Cool. Nobody gives a fuck about preseason games. Um, 15% off, but you minus one game. I mean, that's not really doing anything off. You're just minusing one game. So, of course, they're going to be cheaper. You're not going to say, hey, one less game, but keep the price. Like, come on. So, (laughs) I'm going to keep going here. So, like, to me, like, the fans are pissed. And they should be. And it just makes no sense on, like, their plan here. Like, it just makes no sense. It literally makes me want to root for them to lose the way they're treating season ticket holders. And I'm obviously not one because I live halfway across the the United States. I almost said world. Um, But I feel bad for them. And, I mean, I feel bad for myself. I literally not missed the Jags game in 14 seasons. I've literally watched every single play of every single game for 14 years, and I'm like, why? Why am I putting myself through this? So, hey, you know how we did it for Schulte, a new team? Maybe we need to do that for me this this offseason because it's fucking ridiculous. And for, like, my biggest thing is, like, there are owners that clearly care, like, about winning, right? Like, they, they actually care about just winning. And then there's owners that clearly care about presentation and getting the team to be worth more money and side things, right? Like this is like a hobby for them just to say they own an NFL team. And I didn't think Shad Khan was going to be this way. Like he came out like firing and like really involved. And like now he doesn't even come to every game. Like it's weird to see a uh, owner that's missed games before. And given it is like huge business trips because he works a lot, a lot, not in the United States. So Sometimes I can agree, like, you also made your money doing this other thing. Like, this is why you can own this team. But, like, at the same time, it's weird not being at every game. So, um, yeah, it hurts. It hurts, and I'm pissed, and I don't like it. And, again, it kind of makes me want to root against the Jaguars. I'm not going to. Like, I'm just not because fandom is this weird thing where you have this loyalty for no goddamn reason. Like, none whatsoever. But... Here I am, pissed off, but yeah, I'll still probably root for him. I mean, let's let's go ahead and do that this offseason. Like, other teams that you might be interested in. Let's find the reasons. Mate, like, pros and cons list on why you like the Jaguars and why you hate them. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> I legit don't know if I could find five reasons I like them. I don't know if I could. <laughs> That's an honest truth. <laughs> Yikes. So what's your... <laughs> if you don't think you can name five things you like about it, give me the reason why you stay. I nice everybody. That's Austin's cat for you. Yeah, uh, <laughs> right there in the fucking mic. I yeah, we'll do this. We'll do this in the near future. Okay. Uh, but yeah, yikes. Not looking forward to that episode, actually. <laughs> Why are you a dumbass? Like, that's going to be... The, that. That's the episode. Why is Teresa dumbass and follows this team? Yep. It's all right. It happens. Well, all right. Hey, we see it. <laughs> okay, let's move on to the other episodes. We've we've spent a half an episode on just our teams. Maybe we should talk about some other teams real quick. Um, Xavier Howard, cornerback for the Dolphins. As everybody knows, uh, got called for domestic violence... During the season, right after that, he got put on IR. IR. <laughs> um, we all know the reasoning. Um, but today or yesterday, I can't remember, um, it, the video came out, or the call, right? And we just listened to it right before the podcast started. And, man, it's a bad look, but you know it happens so often. Girlfriend calling, saying, my boyfriend is pushing me and hitting me, and... Then once I start to call the cops, he says, don't, because you know what it'd do to my career. You know this, you know that. Start being nice again. And then, you know, it's a cycle, right? Like, that's what domestic violence is. And you honestly feel bad. And you kind of just are okay with um, if something bad happens to these players. Like, if they lose money or they get released and don't get called from other teams, right? Like, you don't put your hands on women. You don't do this type of stuff. So, like, I don't I don't feel bad for bad things that happen to guys like this. Yeah, I don't feel bad either. Um, it is a bad look. It's a, 
it's a tough way to be viewed in the public from here on out. Uh, bad way of just handling any type of situation. There's no reason to do that or handle things that way. Um, but I've learned a lot with the Tyreek Hill situation, and I'm not going to compare him to that um, or bring up Tyreek Hill at all. But I don't like to make comments on the situations that I'm not fully aware of or know the complete story on. So this is just one of those things that right now it's not a good look. Um, that call explains quite a bit of stuff. There's a lot of good reasoning for a lot of people to not like you at all. But at this point in time, you got to get things figured out. You need to handle things in a correct manner. And you need to start taking steps in the right direction to handle this so it does not take place again. But this is not a good look. This is very tough for him and the Dolphins organization. Absolutely. All right, next one is Greg Olson. We talked about him last episode on some potential spots. Uh, he has three visits scheduled right now. One with our Buffalo Bills, uh, two with the Seattle Seahawks, and three with the Washington Redskins. Um, before I move on to the, more into this, I think it's officially we can not say they're our Buffalo Bills now that the season's over, though. We'll, we'll find another Cinderella team this offseason, and they'll be our, their, our team again. So, we can move on from that. So my apologies for saying that. No, um, I mean, they have been. They have been our Buffalo Bills. Yeah. So um, overall, Bills would be an awesome choice uh, for them. I think he would fit very nicely into that offense. But also, isn't Dawson Knox kind of just turning into what Greg Olson like? He's Dawson Knox is a better version of Greg Olson, maybe at this point. Um, he doesn't have the veteran savviness and leadership, obviously, but like on the field, I think he kind of just already does that job. Uh, Seahawks, the only reason they would bring him in is if uh, the their tight end who tore his uh, Achilles in the season was not going to be ready, and they knew he wasn't going to be ready at this point. Um, that's the only reason you'd bring him in. If not, like I don't see a big point in that. And Redskins, uh, that actually makes a ton of sense. Yeah, so I, out of all these teams, you're talking about Will Disley, the tight end from Thank the you, yeah. Seattle Seahawks. Um, I was searching him right as you brought him up. But between Will Disley and Jacob Hollister, the tight ends for the Seattle Seahawks, I think you got a good one-two punch there. They really liked what Disley was doing before he got injured. Um, this The Redskins, though, that was kind of the team that I thought, you know, that makes a good fit. They're, they're young. They could use his experience, his veteran leadership, and then draft a tight end maybe in the third, fourth, fifth round and just try and make something happen there. Hopefully you can hit on someone like the Chiefs have with a Travis Kelsey-type player, right? Not everyone's going to do that. Travis Kelsey's kind of a one-of-a-kind tight end. Same with George Kittle and what they were and where they were drafted. So something to keep an eye on if you're a Redskins fan. I think this is a good fit for him, though, and I think it would be really good for the Redskins and Ron Rivera is there as well. So, I mean, you connect the dots. That's kind of where things line up. Yep, yep absolutely. So, basically, NFC Easter favorites, and that's kind of what we talked about last episode because we talked about the Giants or uh, – actually, no, that was for Jason Winton going to the Giants and then him going to the Cowboys. So, Cowboys, Redskins, NFC East. We'll see how it goes there. Uh, next on the items is Vic Beasley. So, did you see the tweet from the Falcons? <laughs> so awesome. Yeah, some dumbass tweets source, source. questions more. <laughs> and they respond with, literally us, the Falcons. <laughs> <laughs> literally us, the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> uh, great social media game from them. Um, but, I mean, not not surprising right like actually everybody thought this was going to happen last off season so it just had it i mean they held on to him um a season longer i think it's because they truly felt they probably could have traded him during the trade deadline this year um and it just didn't work out nobody wanted to take on that contract which makes sense um so yeah uh i'm sure he'll you wonder if he's going to try to get like a three-year deal like type thing for you know average money or if he tries to do like a one-year deal and just like a prove it deal like it seems like a lot of defensive ends specifically i feel like they're doing a there's a lot of people doing one-year deals and i i don't have any examples off the top of my head but i just feel like in the past we've seen more than not at, than other positions uh shack bear is i mean clear the recent clear, one right? but, yeah um Shoot, I guess I don't. Uh, did Chandler Jones do a one-year deal and then get? 
I don't think so. I think so it is maybe it just feels that way because you know when their contracts coming to an end or when they're ready for the next one because they play lights out. Yeah. They work as hard as they can. They play as hard as they can. They don't care if they're beat up. They need to go get their money. And then after that, they kind of just like tail off a little bit. As Therese Paler says, I mean, contract years undefeated. So they can make sure that they stay healthy, not go as hard, make sure they can get all their money. That's just kind of what the guys are going to focus on now that they're getting to this one-year deal. Uh, let's go ahead and move into our next topic with Anthony Lynn being extended with the Los Angeles Chargers. Great for him to get this opportunity to stay with the team, especially with Phillip Rivers moving on to his new endeavors. I think this is great for him. I think this is a great look for the NFL. As we all know, there's not very many colored coaches left in the league, let alone at the head coach position. So I think this is a really good look. And I also think he's a really good coach. I like what he's done with the Chargers. They dealt a lot of injuries this past year. Uh, Trace and I, we talked about that last episode for sure. But, man, kind of what are your thoughts on this and them moving in the new stadium? Yeah, I agree. I think it's great. Um, and he is a very good coach. It's a I love that it was so under the radar, right? Like they did it and it was like literally weeks later. They're like, oh, by the way, we did this a few weeks ago. I thought that was awesome. And yeah, I I think he's good fit for this team. Um, obviously, Phillip Rivers isn't going to be there anymore. You're going to have a young uh, quarterback, most likely. Maybe Tyrod Taylor starts the year, but you're going to have a young quarterback growing and stuff. You need to have a coach, in my opinion, that's been there for a little bit that has the trust of all the other players to get him kind of in line and just start building that uh, relationship there. So I think it's great. Um, yeah. They just need to figure out a way to stay healthy, man. They'll be able to compete with anybody as long as, the, as if that roster is healthy, it's one of the best. Yeah. I mean, they should have been really competitive this year, but like we all say, like I said, go ahead and hop in line, man. Everyone thinks they're going to win the West until they don't. We all know who did this year as well as winning the rest of the NFL. <laughs> it's the Kansas City Chiefs, in case you didn't get it, Therese. Uh Let's go ahead and get into our next topic, another AFC West that is trying to figure it out. The Oakland Raiders are interested in Tom Brady. Oh, my God, excuse me. The Las Vegas Raiders. There we go. I'm going to have to get used to saying that. Um, the Las Vegas Raiders are interested in Tom Brady, who could potentially be leaving the Patriots for him willing to Go find a new opportunity and show that he can win without Bill Belichick. Patriots come back out and say, we're willing to offer to pay him $30 million. And then here's Miami, a team in the AFC East. Since teams in the AFC East just can't seem to realize that if a player leaves the Patriots, it's probably because they've used every bit of talent left in them, and they really don't care about losing them. But every other team goes, they play for the Patriots. They must be good. Let's get them on our team. Same thing with head coaches. It doesn't make any fucking sense. It's like just a revolving miracle round of, hey, let's just try them here. They didn't work out there. Let's try them here. Like, just let them go and find someone new. Doesn't make any sense. That's just my thoughts with Tom Brady and where he might end up. Yeah, I think in the end he stays with the Patriots, especially if they're offering him $30 million a year. Like, it's yeah. going to be tough for any other team to – do something like that for a 44 year old quarterback that honestly did not look good last year if you can say he had weapons or not he just didn't look very good uh he missed open receivers uh that's not the receiver's fault so uh we'll see there i do think it'd be funny for him to go to miami um but i mean that would throw a wrench in their whole draft holy shit like what would they do at five? Oh man by the way, I got a lot of a lot of slack uh, for having uh, Justin Herbert in my mock draft going there. Uh, there were people that would DM me and be like, "If if he's not if this mock draft doesn't have two at five, I immediately stop uh, reading it." I'm like, "Cool story, bro." <laughs> like, I don't. You had someone do that? Yeah, two people do that actually. Is it someone I know? No, literally two guys that they don't follow anybody that I follow. Like, <laughs> uh, like I'm like, I don't even know how you found this dude, <laughs> but cool. Like, I don't care what your opinion is. It, it's my opinion that I think it's going to happen. So fuck off. <laughs> um, <laughs> so fuck off. But, yeah. But, um, 
I think it'd be awesome. Um, I'm, you know, we've talked about it before. I'm just really intrigued on like where all these older quarterbacks are going to play. It's going to like change. It's going to almost feel like NBA status where like big name guys leave to play for other teams. And it's going to be weird seeing them in other jerseys and shit. Like given in the NBA, they change teams like during their prime and stuff like that. And, um, these guys are obviously not in their prime, but it's still going to be super weird to see. I'm sure this is kind of like how I, the generation before us felt with guys like Joe Montana, right? Exactly. Or, or Jerry Rice. Like Jerry Rice was still, I mean, I was younger when I, but I remember him switching things, but like seeing him in a Raiders or a Seahawks jersey, like I'm sure that's just weird. That That's going to be us. These are our generation players. Yeah. A uh, quick question for you. Speaking of Tom Brady and the amount of Super Bowls he's been to, um, I was talking about this Saturday on Mic'd Up. Uh, what is your first Super Bowl memory? Um, first, first Super Bowl memory. I mean, I have, I probably have more before this, but like the first one that I really remember, like holy shit, like I now love football and like I was super excited for, uh, was the Raiders versus Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Wow. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. My first one was uh, the Carolina Panthers versus England? the Patriots yeah. when Adam Vinatieri kicked, kicked the game-winning field goal. Mm-hmm. Oh, Jake DeLone, baby. <laughs> yeah, totally, dude. And uh, Deshaun Foster at running back. He yep. Was, he was so cool. I love that game because, obviously, Steve Smith is, like, probably the greatest Utah Ute player that's played in the NFL. Um, and like he was obviously their number one. So, um, I was invested in that game a lot for him, but, um, that's actually a good question. Like first real Super Bowl memory, like that, like when you said it, like that was the first thing that popped in my head. I'm sure if I like went back and like looked, I'd be like, Oh yeah, I remember like this moment of these games, mm-hmm. but like that was the first one that I was like, yep. And maybe it's like the first time, like as a kid, like I had a party and had people coming over and stuff like that was like the first one for me. Um, and I just remember like liking, like Gruden, like he was like in there and then like this big story line of that. And then just like the defense of Tampa Bay just being awesome. Yep. That, yep. For sure. So, yep. That's my answer. Final Hell one. Yeah, dude. <laughs> so let's go ahead and get into the NFL awards. They took place on Saturday. MVP went to Lamar Jackson, of course, offensive player of the year, Went to uh, Michael Thomas, receiver for the Saints. Defensive player of the year goes to Stephen Gilmore. Defensive rookie of the year, Nick Bosa, of course. And then offensive rookie of the year goes to the one and only Kyler Murray. Picked picked football over baseball. Goes number one. Great season, great awards. Kind of what are your initial thoughts on these? Do you agree with all of them? Do you disagree with some of them? Where are you at, Trees? Uh, I disagree with some of them. So one comeback player of the year, Ryan Tannehill, doesn't make sense. He didn't come nope. back from anything. Doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Um, Carson Wentz should have won that award. Um, two, uh, I'm fine with Bosa winning it. A lot of people are talking about like uh, Max Williams because he had more sacks. I'm like, Josh Allen had more sacks than both of them, so fuck off. Uh, it's like yep. Pressures is a real thing, and Nick Bosa dominated in that. Like. I still think that Josh Allen, I, Josh Allen only got like two or three votes for that. I thought that was outrageous. Like, yep. I thought it should have been a lot closer than that. Um, offensive player of the year, I saw a lot of people talk about AJ Brown. I don't think AJ Brown deserved it. Like, he didn't take off until the end of the year. Yeah, I know he had over a thousand yards and had some big plays, but like, it's not like he led that team to like the playoffs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it yep. was Derrick Henry, right? Um, so that one's fine. I still am a believer that Minshew would have won it if they didn't bench him for those three games. Uh, I mean, he had more touchdown passes still, even sitting out those three games, had more touchdown passes, less interceptions, better QBR and more wins. Like even with three less stats or three less starts. So um, that was interesting to me, but I'm still sticking to Josh Jacobs should have won that award. I thought that what he did was, was fantastic. I, I'm yep. sticking to Josh Jacobs deserved it. Um, defensive player of the year. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with it. I know there's a lot of heat like with like TJ Watt 
<laughs> and stuff like that. But um, I and I, I mean, in the middle of the year, you and I talked about TJ a lot, a lot about how he does like deserved to be in the conversation. But like as the season went on, I kind of died. Kind of fell off. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. I mean, I feel like Tyron Matthew deserved to be in that talk more than TJ Watt did. I mean, with the way the season kind of came to an end and how well he took over that team, especially since week eight or nine, like it was definitely turned Matthew. It was the it was a honey badger show, the landlord, you know, it's just kind of what he did. Uh, Coach of the year, who ended up getting that? Uh, Harbaugh. How that doesn't go to Andy Reid, I will never know. Um, I just. Yeah, I mean, like, dude, the creativity and stuff that they did on Baltimore. I mean, like, yeah, but that's that, not. Oh, that's the offensive coordinator. He also won uh, assistant of the year. So their offensive well, coordinator. There's assistant of the year. Yeah. So, um, I mean, for me, like, everybody basically predicted the Chiefs to win that division, right? And nobody predicted. Hardly anybody predicted the Ravens to win their division, right? Do like we know every, anyone that did? I mean, I could probably think of one guy that did. Hey. Um, uh, your, uh, in your words, yours truly. Go <laughs> ahead <laughs> <laughs> um, and brag about yourself, sir. Go ahead, let's hear it. No, I, I mean, I've already done that. I did that at the once they won the division with like four weeks left in the season. Something like oh. that when they wrapped it up. All right. Now you're getting. Now you're going overboard. Now you're going overboard. <laughs> um, no, but I I can see that. But like I honestly, there's like three or four coaches that kind of deserved it, man. Like I could have an argument for a lot of people. Like Frable probably deserves yep. conversation. Uh, Shanahan deserves conversation. Reed, yes, deserves conversation. Harbaugh obviously does. Who else? I mean, Tomlin kind of did, but again, since they didn't make the playoffs, but again, though, like he lost a lot and they still won games. Um, Freddie Kitchens probably deserves it the most out of anybody. <laughs> you son of a bitch. I was about to say that. <laughs> I really was. I was going to go Freddie Kitchens. <laughs> oh, Doug, we feel bad for you. We're sorry. <laughs> no. No, we don't feel bad. Um, anyways, um, so yeah. That's that's my opinion on the awards. Um, there, it's always weird to me. Um, oh, we should talk about uh, Hall of Fame. Tony Pacelli oh, yeah. got screwed again, man. Like this dude's never gonna get in, and I feel so bad. Yep. He was literally, I, and it, it was on. It was before your like you really dove into the NFL, but <clears throat> like he was just dominant. And he only played eight years, so I get that. Like, I, you can you can have that argument, but like Terrell Davis got in, and he only played seven. And like Rob Gronkowski and Calvin are is that going to be held against them? Um, probably not. Probably not, right? And it, and maybe it's because he played in Jacksonville. I don't know what it is, but like he was all decade left tackle, all pro for four years. Four of his eight years, he was, and or three, three or four, and like he was just dominant all the time. He shut down guys like Bruce Smith and Jason Taylor, like when they were in their primes. Jason Taylor came out today in or this weekend in Miami right before it and was like, "This dude owned me. Like I couldn't do anything against him. He one hundred percent should be a Hall of Famer." If another Hall of Famer is saying that and they weren't teammates. Like, that says something to me. And so, it's a bummer. This was his fifth year being a finalist. And um, so, it sucks. Uh, hopefully, it comes in next year. Um, but next year has a lot of good players. I mean, again, every year, you're like, oh, shit, here's a new batch of really good players. So, um, <clears throat> he might be outside looking in for another couple of years. I think at some point, he's he'll get in. He was... Um, I, I felt like this year was a lot more vocal of like, holy shit, he didn't get in again. Like, I think last year it was okay because there were so many good players. Um, or I should say great players. But we'll see. Uh, it's it's always hard. Hard hard to see. I always like, I, I get, emo- like, not emotional, but I, I get, like, invested in it um, during that Saturday. And then I kind of forget about it. But then when the Hall of Fame game preseason is happening and they do the speeches, I get, like, upset again. Like, 
holy shit, like he should be in it. And I think yeah. I'm more invested because Jacksonville doesn't have a single Hall of Fame player. Um, and they're and honestly, they've only had two that I think deserve to be in, and that's Fred Taylor and Tony Paselli. I think those are yeah. the only two that are true Hall of Fame type players. Everybody else doesn't deserve to be in. So, um, but we'll see. Next year's another year. Try it out. So, um, all right, dude. So we have now, now that this episode is over, we have now officially gone a full circle, full year. We've now done any, everything from preseason draft, senior bowl, all the way through an entire season, Super Bowl, and now a Super Bowl recap. So congratulations. We made it. Yes, sir. We are here, boy. Uh, we are fucking here. Yes, we are. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate you guys. Uh, if you guys have anything you guys want us to talk about during the off season, do not hesitate to send it over to us. Uh, we're coming up with a whole bunch of uh, creative ideas to keep things going throughout the off season. We'll be here twice a week, just like how we have been for basically the last nine months. We'll just keep it going. And uh, tonight we've been talking football. Rent was due on the first late fee cost to a championship. Go cheese!